Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Percyinen here, not in the wonderful WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, this time from my parents' house in new jersey home for the summer um which means we are in the most gossipy the most drama-y time of year for nba fans and for a lot of people that's their favorite time of the year i can't blame them because we're about a week into this thing and we've already got like three reality shows that could come out of this offseason so me personally i'm loving it i got joe masters and anthony bartiromo here alongside me behind their own mics i was gonna say behind the mics like i always do in the studio but uh, one of these summer edition pick and pods guys before we start what have you been up to how are you is all you can think about basketball like what what's the state of the affairs right now for you two joe you've got you've had some trades go down so let's talk to you first yeah i'm up in maryland so a lot going on and uh, i guess you call it wizards country um yeah i mean every day has basically been like uh christmas or you know whatever positive negative something's been happening every day for me and i guess for the whole nba world fans in, in general uh and i'm loving it i mean this is basically my season because the actual regular season is usually pretty uneventful for us wizards fans so i'm having a great time the draft just wrapped up um and it was kind of surprising me. There wasn't as many trades as I thought, but uh, I'm really excited for free agency to start. I know the official free agency period doesn't get underway until July, but we have some tampering, some legal tampering coming up, and that's that's when it really goes down. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, I feel that 100%. I mean, I'm over in the city. There's a bunch of stuff going on. It feels like every day, you know, there's something new that's coming out, adding to the story, adding to the NBA storyline, really. It's been crazy. And I mean, I know there's always, as a Knicks fan, there's always something going on with the Knicks. You know, I saw reports for Paul George the other day. So I've just been trying to keep it up with everything, and it's been great. Can't complain. Yeah, lots of rumors. We can start there with Paul George. How about that? One of the players that could have been integral to making a trade like that go down, obviously Evan Fournier's contract, uh, still on the books for New York, but Derek Rose. Had about a $15 million team option. Many, including reporters for the team, speculated that this is a contract the Knicks, you could see them pick up the team option for so they could shortly after include it in a trade for someone like a Paul George and not have to sacrifice salary that is really important to them in the form of you know someone that contributes in the rotation regularly. Um, the Knicks just declined that option. The deadline's midnight. Uh, two Nick reporters came out, Steve Popper first, and then Fred Katz, uh, Newsday and The Athletic came out and said they're not going to be picking that option up. So Derek Rose, you know, again, integral member of the 2021 We Here season for the New York Knicks, but fell out of the rotation this past year as of December 4th when he was replaced with Deuce McBride. Um, tough end for his tenure in New York, but behind the scenes, not so much. Now, Rose looking for an opportunity to play going forward, but uh, was really, really important to the Knicks as a veteran presence for them. Um, just in terms of what he did for the young guys working with Thibodeau, being the one of the Thibodeau translators on the roster, along with Jalen Brunson. Uh, yeah, so so not too big of a loss for New York because they hadn't actually employed his on-court services in half a year, but was curious what you guys thought more on the angle that this might be the Knicks bowing out on Paul George. Yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy happy about it. Um, as a D-Rose fan myself, it's sad to see for sure. You know, this is really like, we knew his career was pretty much over for the past year or so. But this is really just sad to see. And I know he's looking for other opportunities elsewhere, but it's kind of hard to pick a team that will really like 
give him that shot that he really, I wouldn't say he deserves at this point, but that he could contribute to a uh, championship caliber team. So it's really just a tough moment. But I mean, as the Knicks, they really need one more piece. So it's tough to say it, to see this and see them kind of like bow out for that Paul George uh, trade. But it's really something. I mean, personally, my experience with watching <clears throat> Derrick Rose on the Knicks was I think it was that forget who they're playing. It might have been the Pelicans. And I think that was the game where the, all of MSG was chanting his name. It was like the Knicks were up by 30, some crazy number. And Derrick Rose got it in with about two minutes left. And it was a great moment, but I think he went like 0 for 5. And it was pretty, you know, sad to see, you know, from where he from where he fell uh, to where he is now. It's just I mean, obviously, he's super successful, uh, youngest MVP in league history. Um, so I'm sure, you know, he's been very happy with how his career has gone. It could have been great if not for injuries. But in terms of the Knicks not getting PG, uh, I think there's always this fascination with the Knicks getting the next star. Uh, but I think they have a star on their roster. I think in the NBA, you need to obviously build out your roster, as we've seen with, you know, the Heat, the Nuggets, all these other teams. So I'm excited to see where the Knicks go. It might not be Paul George, but I do think they will make some type of a big move in this offseason. Yeah, we'll see. Zach Levine, pretty much the only name left that's been both in rumors and would make sense. Um, a package. I, of- I've, also, I feel, I've also noticed, sorry to cut you off. I also no, noticed, okay. I feel like Knicks, Knicks fans uh, really try to like talk themselves out of, they always talk about we need to get a star and then stars come on the market, Brad the Beal, maybe Carl Anthony Towns, PG, Zach Levine. And they kind of find ways to talk themselves out of trading for that star. It's like, Oh, I, I don't want to get Beal's contract. I think that's, I think Go that's ahead. fine. And and here's why the Knicks. And I, you know, you'd agree, Joe, from an outside perspective, have a vastly different perception league wide right now than they did when Leon Rose was hired in 2020. They were the laughing stock of the NBA, guaranteed to be a 17-win team. They pulled that feet off twice in three years, um, winning exactly 17 games with 65 lessons, as Tom Thibodeau calls them. You know, you don't lose, you win or you learn. Um, but basically, yeah, they they had 65 lessons twice in three years, so they did a lot of learning under David Fisdale and Mike Miller. Um the Knicks are at a point now, Joe, where they can be judicious about who to add on because I'm going to, I'm going to point to a team for you. And I know you shouldn't use one example as, but I, I do think this team does a good job of proving some of these things. And honestly, there's a second team I'll throw in that might be a hot take, but I don't care. Uh, the first is the Chicago bulls, you know, all in on Levine. Okay. Wendell Carter jr. He's no good. Take him and two first round picks, trade them for Vucevic. And then, cause you're already all in on Levine and Vucevic. Well, then you got to spend a first round pick and a second round pick for the right to pay DeMar DeRozan 30 million a year. They're worse than almost every team in the East, you know, and they've got no ability to upgrade in season. Their young core is not something that anyone wants a part of. I could tell you they called this last season and offered Kobe White and and a first round pick for Emmanuel quickly. And the Knicks laughed him off the phone. And this was when the Knicks were looking to trade quickly. <laughs> it's just not it's not desirable to be Chicago. Um, the other team is the Atlanta Hawks. They thought they were up on the upward path. Yeah. They got the star point guard, right? Knicks, Jalen Brunson, ah, a little connection there. A- and they said, you know what? We just we can afford to do the all-in trade because we just need that one last piece. We've got John Collins. He's great. We paid him $25 million a year, and we're happy about that. We've got DeAndre Hunter, and let's go get Sadiq Bey, and we've got to pay him, but that's all right because we're going to be so good, it'll be worth it. They trade three first-round picks for DeJounte Murray, and now they're one of the, you know, one of the spots that everyone's got an asterisk on in terms of when are they going to blow up. I, I think that rushing yourself into it is the easiest way to get kicked out of the playoffs and stay out of there for a long time. So if you're the Knicks, you want to be judicious. You want to be um, strict and harsh about the players you choose to trade for. Paul George is 33 years old, is on the wrong side of 30, has a lengthy injury history. He's played 3,000 fewer minutes over the last four years than Zach Levine. Zach Levine carries an injury-prone tag. 3,000 NBA on-court minutes more than Paul George in the last four years. Levine himself, like I was saying, if it's Fournier, Barrett, Toppin, 
some of those protected first round picks. Yeah, you don't need to talk me into that. That's a good value proposition. It's when the Knicks have to start surrendering unprotected first round picks, which we know from the Stepien rule affect two years at a time because you can't trade consecutive first round picks. You're really hamstringing your future for a guy that might not be able to take you to short. And so if you're stuck out in the water with and you you, you threw your last oar to shore because this guy told you he'd totally swim out and bring you back and he went missing halfway there and he only plays 50 games in the season, then it's rough to justify it and, and justify losing your upward momentum from building internally. But, you know, speaking of building internally, there's a couple teams that did the opposite and have started building externally over this last week. Again, Joe, close to home for you with this with this Beal trade, but Anthony, I feel like you have takes on this new Phoenix Suns roster, this new look Phoenix Suns team, Bradley Beal on the Suns, no one on the bench <laughs> besides maybe if they bring back Terrence Ross and Tory Craig, like, I don't know who's coming off the bench for them. You and I might be running pick and roll by February, but listen, man, <laughs> what do you think about these new look Phoenix Suns? Yeah, I have to say, honestly, I'm not a fan. I've always been a big believer that in the NBA now, you need role players, you need guys who could come off the bench, be those kind of instant offense guys, those three and D kind of guys, you know. And the Sun stuffs don't happen. You know, they got Booker, Durant, Beal, AN, and Campaign. And Campaign's a role player. You look after that, after that five, you have no one. You have G League players, as you said, you have me and I mean you were gonna be running pick and roll in Phoenix later this year. Like well, hold on. This, they did add Atlantic 10 legend to Monty Kamara from the University of Dayton. Right, respect right. to the A-10, respect to the A-10, but he's not someone who's going to be winning them a championship this year. Exactly. You know, we've seen this before. We've seen this in Phoenix. I know last year uh, they didn't really have enough time to meld with KD to like really put through that good playoff run. And, you know, that's fine or whatever. But to mortgage your whole, f- her, your whole future just for this kind of like big three quote unquote with no one else it's just just not gonna work i know we, we've seen this before in the nba we see this with the lakers in like 2021 we see this with the warriors last year it's just not gonna work and i'm not sure what the gm is really thinking with doing this pulling off this big trade i think it's the governor matt ishbia since he came in right away decided he did not like monty williams he traded for kevin durant gutted the team's depth he pushed for that move when the depth didn't the lack of depth didn't work out. Who did he blame the guy? He decided from day one. He didn't like fired him. All right. He goes out and gets Frank Vogel, someone who is a different font of Monty Williams. Like it's the same. I think they bring the same pros and cons Vogel and Williams, but this is a business where it's not about what you've done for me in your life. It's about what you've done for me recently. Ishbia didn't like what he saw from Williams in those lengthy three months he had to evaluate him. So uh, he went and got the 2020 NBA champion head coach and Frank Vogel, who I think is an uninspiring hire. Um, and then now Ishbia pushes for another star trade. You know, you, you respect it, but it's tough because, uh, just because of the the lack of of depth there and and what it means for them um, to go out and and now have to put out a team of eight seven eight nine man rotation and a bunch of those guys aren't you know in in house there's not going to be the continuity that we saw take teams like Denver and Miami to the finals the other side of that trade the Washington Wizards Joe I'm going to go to you here you could talk about this trade on its own you can add in the other one whatever it is, the wizards just hooked up at like all right, weird analogy, but bear with me, you know, like really deep into a game of Jenga when that tower is looking all sorts of screwed up and somehow it's holding together. Like that's where the wizards were at, you know, yeah, like <laughs> several years of being Jenga like, go ahead. I said, I just had the craziest Jenga game the other day. So this is really hidden. So keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Jenga Joe. You messed up now. Listen, um, basically, the Wizards have been adding these blocks on top and being like, oh, well, Monte Morris is actually going to save us and, you know, stuff like that. So um, they decided now to just take their hand, bottom of the tower, swipe through and knock the whole thing down. It leaves them with literally nothing. But is nothing better than what they had going on, Joe? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you mentioned this this Jenga analogy, which I love. Uh, I mean, it's been like that since I've been like eight years old. I mean, you got John Wall, you got Bradley Beal, and ever since then, it's like they're trying to find that third guy to pair with them. It was Otto Porter for a while, and then he, he was gone. Then John Wall got her, and then you bring Russell Westbrook. And Otto Russell Westbrook Porter, okay. one one of the third overall picks of all time. Yeah, he's one of them for sure. Uh, he's one Westbrook, of them. <laughs> Russell Westbrook comes in. He's fine. Actually, not too bad. Bradley Beal has a career next to Russell Westbrook. Now Russell Westbrook wants to go to L.A. He demands a trade. He's gone. And now it's Beal. And then I think Beal can be the main guy to bring in Porzingis, Kuzma. You know, it's just wheeling and dealing with no direction. <clears throat> and Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Wizards, got fed up and said goodbye to Tommy Shepard and brought in Michael Winger from the Clippers and Will Dawkins from the Thunder. And it's a new era. And Jesus, they make a trade every two hours. It seems, I mean, every single trade we're talking about is involving the wizards in some way. So I feel like we have to slow down. And so I'm going to talk about just the Beal trade and just quickly from the sun's perspective, if I'm a Suns fan, I'm terrified because if this doesn't, if this doesn't work out, like I don't, that's the darkest abyss of what a franchise could be. If this doesn't work out, because you have basically have no picks. So that's a couple of picks off the wizards, but it's, Frightening. Uh, but from the Wizards perspective, it's everyone I feel like around the league, maybe just fans who weren't really aware of the situation is that, you know, that Beal contract upwards of 200 million with a no trade clause with a player option at the end of that contract. It severely handicaps you like literally this. I, I said on the special report, shameless plug uh, for WFV that this trade was basically negotiated by Bradley Beal's agent, Mark Bardostein, and the Phoenix Suns. It wasn't, the Wizards were just kind of mediators. They were just like, oh, you want to go to Phoenix? All right, we'll try to get the best deal. And then we want to get Aiton, but Beal doesn't want to play with an Aiton-less Suns. So it's basically the return, which may not be great for a caliber player that Bradley Beal is, is probably the best the Wizards were going to get considering that contract, which is horrible. And then, you know, Beal has played 90 games in the last two years. He's not been that reliable type of guy to even be on the court. And that's something we're seeing all, all these players and trade rumors. A lot of the issue, similar issue they have is uh, availability is the best ability. And Beal has not been on the court. And when he has been, he's been good, but nowhere near what that contract says he is. Um, so, I mean, I think it's an interesting fit for the Suns, but as a Wizards, from the Wizards perspective, I'm excited. I think it's finally it's a year too late, two years too late, even three years. Too I was late. gonna say yeah. picking, picking immediately after the Wenbanyama and the just the deepest draft I've evaluated like in my life to do this um, was pretty interesting because the 24 draft might be the weakest I'm going to ever have evaluated in my life. So yeah, and it's something where I like that's obviously something you want to be mad about, but like what can someone who just exactly yeah. so it's just you yeah, it's kind of clean up it's that's on ownership, it's ownership that that shows that option too late. Speaking of ownership, interesting point, Joe. You're talking about the negotiations between the trade. You know, the trade happened on Father's Day. Um yeah, Bradley Beal's agent as this guy named Mark Bartlestein, as Joe just mentioned. The the CEO of Phoenix Suns basketball operations is this guy named Josh, um, whose last name is Bartlestein and whose dad is named Mark. So, yeah, father and son may have just negotiated this deal as a little Father's Day gift. Uh, <laughs> is that the best Father's Day gift, though? I mean, you get a 50 million dollar third option. And if it doesn't work out now, you have literally no picks. Well, the, the son, years. the son is who runs the Suns. So yeah, the son, the son day. got Beal. The dad traded him away with, or that rather, the dad's the agent got him, got his, yeah, whatever. It's a situation, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if Wizards fans are going to be tuning in to every game this season. That's from like November to January, you know, before they start just going all well, in on. I'll tell you. Wizards fans are way more excited from talk. Just I'm on the Twitter. Yeah, here. of course. Wizards fans, when I'm telling you this, it might sound crazy. Wizards fan, we're going to get into later. They would have traded Bradley Beal for Jordan Poole straight up. Like this new roster, although it's very bad, it's not looking great. It is it's more exciting. It's more entertaining to see a team that has little expectations and somewhat of a future probably lose a good amount of games than watching a team which is put together, constructed to win 
but you know is going to lose a lot of games like the previous Wizards teams with the big three that didn't that won you 35 games and was lucky to get into a play. And so I feel like Wizards games this year might actually be pretty uh, tuned into. I feel like uh, there's some excitement, even though half these guys won't be on the team in the next six months, but it's, it's a, it's a new age for, for basketball in DC. Absolutely. One, one last quick question. You guys can just give even a yes or no answer on this. Should they look to keep Kyle Kuzma now as someone who can take the reps, can score the ball, you can put the ball in his hands and he can kind of make plays for others sometimes with the right pass. But most of the time is just a scoring option. Someone who, you know, you, you know, can take up some of that usage. Um, do you put him out there now with with Tyus, with Poole, um, maybe Bilal at the three and Kyle at the four? Uh, just have a versatile lineup. Is that something you think the Wizards should look after or is that? too good would even that starting five be too good for the tank and and they should just start Kispert and Koulibaly or, or start Kispert and Avdia and, and give Koulibaly that sixth man usage I'd say no honestly I think that with the team you have right now it's not good enough the east is stacked right now maybe you play Poole and uh, Kuzma they have good years maybe they sneak into a playing spot maybe they could upset like get as a seven seed or something but if that's your ceiling, there's no reason for it. I think you look to trade Kuzma, even maybe Poole as well, even though he's got that big contract attached to him. But we're going to get into that later. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Anthony here. Um, for Maybe for some different reasons. I think, you know, signing Kuzma, you're kind of – it would seem like a move back to where we've been, where you're not bad enough to be – really, 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 really bad and be top three guaranteed, but you're not good enough to be anything legitimate. Uh, I think the hope is that purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, that's so we don't want to be there. So I think the hope is uh, you can negotiate a sign and trade. Uh, I think it's, if it's anybody, but the Kings, that's probably the likely outcome of it's going to be a sign and trade. Um, but it seems like Kuzma's asking price is just $30 million a year. And I'm, I'm good off that. I think he's a very, talented player um and i think he's more useful on a like i mentioned sacramento a team that could use a, a, a you know a, a score alleviate some pressure off the and fox but no from the, and then from the wishes perspective i think like you said like i said you don't want to go too far into being too good but not too bad but also i'm kind of intrigued by maybe letting jordan Poole have some primary ball handling responsibilities i thought he looked really good when Steph wasn't out in it during his Warriors tenure, when Steph was out, sorry, during the Warriors tenure. Especially if they'd let Kuzma go, like we've been discussing what they'd look like now, not just this year, but, but going forward, that future projection, they've got Jordan Poole. They've got Tyus Jones, um, two guys that will fill the starting one and two guard spots. Um, not veterans, but not super young players, guys that kind of know the lay of the land of the NBA have played in other markets and, and, you know, the other side of the country, pretty much they've got some experience around the NBA and uh, they both do what they do. Well, they just also have very strict limitations outside of what they do, but the thing that they do, they're both really good at for Tyus Jones. That's not being a risk taker, just making the right play. He's always got the highest assist to turnover ratio in the NBA for Jordan Poole. That's put in the round orange thing and the other round orange thing over and over and over again, no matter how you guard him. Um, Joe, for you, how, how do you see these guys affecting the development of, of the young guys you've got? Like, do you see them as a positive for someone like your new, you know, big pick and Bilal Koulibaly? Is that something for you that you go, okay, I'm glad he has some guards that kind of know what they're doing to set him up? Or, or would you have wanted to see him, you know, or would you have preferred to have drafted, if not Ant Black, because he was off the board, you know, someone who could have played that guard spot for you guys? How are you feeling about the pick at, at seven, the trade up? Um, and how are you feeling about, about Poole and Jones? Yeah. So, I mean, regarding the pick, I'm not going to act like I have the, some crystal ball in front of me where I can say if, you know, Bilal Kulaba is going to be the next great international player or, else, or, or if he's going to, 
you know, flame out, whatever. But uh, I am happy to see a risk taken uh, because this is kind of probably the lowest floor, highest ceiling, obviously, outside of Wemby uh, in the draft. I mean, there's that's the biggest gap between the two is Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, and it's it's I think he's in a great situation where he won't have to worry about the team is not worrying really necessarily about winning. So he doesn't really have to, I guess, play great initially. He's going to have to be able to learn and he's going to have time. And maybe he starts in the G League, maybe he starts in the bench. We'll see. But it was pretty funny. His uh, introductory press conference was today. And as you know, in the NBA, the offseason, not all trades are finalized, really. Any of them, really, they're all rumors or, you know, the teams are aware. It's It's been agreed upon, but it can't be finalized by the league. And uh, they're introducing Bilal Koulibaly to – uh, the press Wizards fans and they asked him if he had uh, spoken to any teammates you know kind of a classic question like has anyone greeted you and he said Jordan Poole texted me and said I'm ready to get to work in DC and it was kind of funny looking right next to him was general manager Will Dawkins and he has this awkward look on his face like like that trade's not finalized yet so we can't really talk about it but uh, <laughs> it was pretty hilarious like hopefully I don't get a tampering fine um yeah I mean I think it's gonna be great I think Tyus Jones is probably, you know, like you said, doesn't take any risks. I've talking to multiple Grizzlies fans, RGM, Julie Moss in particular. She's pretty down bad about this. Oh, she is not happy. Yeah, she's not in a great space. So I've heard positive remarks about Tyus Jones. Uh, I think, you know, the only thing with this Wizards roster now is that they have a log jam at the point guard position. You know, Delon Wright and Monte Morris, I thought one of them was going to get moved on draft night those are two players who i think are a little worse than tyus jones uh monte morris is very similar uh, also has a great assist to turnover ratio i believe he was second behind you, you, tyus you take jones because of the defense though i mean yeah. that guy at the point of attack is a bulldog and and his brother is the same way trey you know those two just came up knowing what to do at that poa yeah so i think we i, I think the wizards would keep Tyus Jones and I look uh, when you look around the league, I think a guy like DeLon Wright could be extremely valuable to a team that is uh, needs extra pieces to contend. He's can play make a little bit. He can often put the, the ball in the basket. But what he really is known for is his defense. He is a stopper on the defensive side of the ball. He's a pretty big point guard. Uh, he's somebody on a cheap contract. I believe he has one more year on that deal where if you're a team that's looking for some point guard depth or just overall depth and defense is what now I guess wins you championships in this league. I think DeLon Wright could be a really interesting piece. I am tweeting as we speak that a good team out there somewhere should trade for DeLon Wright because I feel like the reputation with him is like, Oh yeah, Houston should go get him, And then he'll can set the young guys straight and he'll be tough. Like, I think this guy's good. Like the yeah. same way that Derek White was kind of buried in San Antonio for a little bit, especially behind DeJounte Murray and Boston was like, OK, we're trying to win games. Come with us. Come rock. Come rock off our bench. And look what he did in these playoffs. I, I mean, DeLon writes a guy who is really, really savvy on the defensive end and also is a decent passer. He just doesn't have the shot to justify on ball creation reps because defenses don't have to guard him from deep and, and he's best off being a functional cutter or a driving kicker, you know, stuff like that. But all right. I know it's dangerous to want to be like, Oh, you know, uh, this X player was really good. So you should go get this player. Cause maybe they could also be good in the playoffs, but is it crazy to think that Delon Wright could kind of be like a Derek white for a team uh, with just a different skill set, or I know they're a similar height, even though they play different positions, someone like a Bruce Brown, who's out there and everyone knows he can get you 25 one night, but he'll probably be scoring eight most nights. Um, but that's the value of him. I really think DeLon can do that. So I'm in on him. I, I covered two Knicks wizards games this year for WFUV and right in one of the two stood out to me as the best player on either team, that particular game. And that, you know, I know that's biased of me. I know that's um, a, a sample size bias, if he's capable of doing that, he's capable of being a serious rotational guy for a good team. So that's that for me. Let's kind of pivot to where Jordan Poole would be coming from. 
Uh, and who got sent there? Chris Paul, Golden State Warrior. Weird. We can get that out of the way. Very weird. <laughs> right. But Anthony, how do you feel about this for Golden State for Steve Kerr? Chris Paul, you know, they they might have the most famous player and opposing coach interaction of the last five years with Chris Paul doing his ha ha ha. What are you laughing at? You know, moment with Steve Kerr. Um <laughs> what's going on in Golden State that they used a first round pick on uh, or rather, I don't think it's the worst that they used a first round pick to turn pool into Paul, considering the salary implications, the fact that CP3 is basically on a football deal. They can waive him after this year at, at practically no cost, but they they used a first round pick to move off Jordan Poole. Was he that bad? Is the money that big of a problem? How are you feeling about this? I really don't know how to feel about this trade. It's such a weird trade. Um, also, considering how Steve Kerr said that they intend to keep Paul and they intend to work with him this year. So it's kind of weird how Chris Paul is just coming off one of his worst years of his career. Like, you know, he's getting older. He's not the same player he was in Phoenix those first years or even in uh, L.A. or anything. So you know what you're taking on with Chris Paul. And I feel like it's more than just it's definitely it has to be with his leadership and his locker room qualities as well, obviously. But this Warriors team, they needed some scoring. And we didn't see that in the playoffs. You know, we saw in the playoffs, we had to see Curry kind of like carry the Warriors. And he single-handedly won them that game seven in in, uh, Sacramento this year. And I think that with Paul, you're not really getting that kind of scoring boost that you need. You know, he could definitely work in offense. He could definitely, uh, like, we know how well he, how good he is at, uh, you know, having the offense run through him. But it's just strange that having come to the Warriors, I don't know what to expect, really. And I think, We'll only be able to see like when it happens, see uh, once the season starts. So, Yeah, I think if there's one word I'm going to describe it, I think it's a risky trade. Um, and it's it's not that you're stuck with Chris Paul, because like you said, Chris, you can get off him pretty easily. But on paper, yes, it makes sense. You get Chris Paul, you alleviate some of that pressure off Steph Curry with on the ball duties. You can have Chris Paul facilitate sometimes and just – you know, have Steph on an off-ball, Steph and Clay on an off-ball screen, come catch and shoot, probably helps with Curry's efficiency. But when you look at it in reality, we we know Chris Paul is going to miss games, but Steph Curry's also missed games, and Clay Thompson's also missed games. And it's like, what happens when they all get hurt? Because <laughs> the likelihood of them all playing 82 games is nearly impossible. And in the past, it's been when Curry can't go, they can rely on Jordan Poole to kind of be a fake Curry and not be as good, but, you know, kind of take over some of those duties, maybe give you 20 points a night. And they're not going to really have that element to them. And I think that's a little concerning on top of the fact you're trading someone who's 24. Yes. On a bad contract, uh, but not incredibly unreasonable given where the NBA is heading Uh, for a 38 year old guy, who's going to be, 39 come playoff time it's 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 risky in that if it doesn't work out this year you're probably moving on from chris paul and you also gave up draft capital and you moved off a guy who just a year ago was an integral part of that championship run like really like maybe the key to them winning that ring and he had a bad season and now he's gone and then where are you going to go after chris paul retires yeah i i think um I I think that when you have a situation like Golden State, they are so invested in the future. Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman, these different high draft picks they've made. And not one of them has turned into a win now player for them. Shocker. I know the kids that are a year older than us actually aren't integral parts to championship went like oh my god who could have seen this coming this is why i i don't get upset i'm not that immature but i do get a, a little miffed a little frustrated with the conversations surrounding the golden state young core i i call kuminga baby ag you know i think 
I think he can have that kind of impact, that Aaron Gordon impact for a championship winning team in a couple of years. But Steph Curry's on the wrong side of 30. So what are you doing? Bringing in these teens. You move them for win now players. Golden State could have moved down from two to four and gotten Wendell Carter Jr. as the, the price to move down two spots. Had a great center that they could teach their system. Bring Looney off the bench and, and let him kill in the playoffs. Use that fourth pick on someone like a Devin Vassell. And Obi Toppin would have been great for them. Imagine Draymond and Obi Toppin, small ball lineups. Doesn't that scream Golden State? Doesn't that scream? Come on. And you'd have Draymond teaching Obi how to play defense, and you'd have Obi making the smart passes he always makes. That could be their new death lineup, would be Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Dre, Obi. But they stuck it too. They said, we want our guy. I'm not trying to toot my horn. I had Wiseman at 14 on my big board that year. I, I saw him as a lottery caliber prospect, but I totally faded the consensus on him being top five because he wasn't that guy to me. And they're paying the price for that now as they are with Moses Moody, who I think turns into a good player. I think Moody could have, I'm not saying he'll be averaging 25 as a number one option like Bridges is, but he could have a Macau Bridges type career before he moved to Brooklyn, where he's a guy who does complement the big stars with his length, with his shooting ability, his off-ball utility. But they're trying to... What's an analogy here? You, did you guys ever get those like little dinosaurs when you were little? You throw them in water, and then they grow like 10 times the size. You know what I'm talking about? Am I nuts? Am I going insane? No, you guys know what I'm talking Okay. It, it's like the Warriors bought the dinosaur, and it's this big, and it says on the package it's supposed to be two feet tall. They're like, what the hell is this? You know, and they just throw it out. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's like, that seems like it was all on you um, for how that went down. I just can't feel too bad for Golden State because they're the people who chose to draft these kids. So them using a first round pick to turn a young player into win now talent makes sense. But the aspect of this that I think is going undersold is the financial aspect. It is so worth it for them to not hit that second tax apron. If you are in the second tax apron, you can't sign any two-way players. You can't sign anyone with the MLE. You can't aggregate salary and trades. You can't take in more salary in a trade than you're sending out. And you can't trade draft picks if they're seven years in the future. Those aren't, you're not allowed to touch. Oh, and if you are ever in the second apron, anytime over the next four seasons, so you you hit the second apron in 2023, 2026, you hit it again. Oh, they, they, they move your first round pick to 30. They don't care who wins the championship. Your first round pick, it could be number seven. You're going, you're picking at 30. I, I mean, the penalties are harsher than ever before. In this new CBA, I don't know what wine Grant Williams and CJ McCollum were drinking together when they signed this into effect, but this is possibly the worst deal we've ever seen agreed to from a player rights standpoint. All the NBA fans talk about, oh, too much player power and too much player movement. Yeah, that just got sapped. That just got sapped by this new CBA. And so teams are preparing. I identified a couple teams prior to this offseason that would be making moves that were uncomfortable for the fan base. I listed Boston first, Marcus Smart's a Memphis Grizzly. I listed Golden State second, Jordan Poole's a Washington Wizard. I listed the Atlanta Hawks because now they have to extend Sadiq Bay. They were trying to move Capella on draft night to Dallas. This stuff isn't rocket science. If I can sit here at 21 years old and figure it out in my parents' house, you know, like, what are these teams doing? They're so unprepared. I think you're going to see teams like Washington, like in Oklahoma City, like in New York that haven't gone all in, that are trying to build the right way. Now, I think those three teams are all at different stages of their process, but it's the same process. It's that hinky-esque belief that waiting for the right time is better than acting at any time. And I agree with it. So I think the Wizards are on the right path, Joe. I, I'd be hopeful if I were you for the future. Koulibaly, someone I had in the high teens on my big board because I was expecting him to not get so much offensive opportunity early on in his time in the league. I was kind of happy to see him go so early to Washington, who's going to give him freedom to grow. And he has the athleticism to potentially make that really worth it for you guys. And even if he just turns out to be a player, just in quotes, by the way, who's the fourth best player on a championship winning team, Marcus smart was taken with a sixth pick. And I don't think anyone has called him a bust since he really came onto the scene. So 
you know, at, at, at pick seven, getting a great starter is okay. And I think you guys took a big step towards that, especially with what it shows philosophically. Love it for the Wizards. But speaking of Marcus Smart being a Memphis Grizzly, I want to pivot to that trade, that discussion. We almost had a trade go down with Malcolm Brogdon potentially donning the black, white, and red, but no good from the Clippers medical team who wanted to be able to clear him and were not going to have the time to do so before Kristaps Porzingis' deadline for his player option was expired. And so basically that trade fell through and the Celtics had to deal straight up with the Grizzlies um after you know just what what a what a mess you know um but washington and and boston find a third team in in memphis to come in and and save that deal at the 23rd hour and 59th minute um yeah anthony you're you're a fan of a atlantic division team how do you feel about the boston celtics Swapping in Marcus Smart, getting who I think is the only true stretch five in the NBA. You're going to say Miles Turner. I'm going to tell you that only a third of his three pointers are contested and that teams are happy with him shooting. It's Chris Dobbs. He's the only real stretch five in the league. Now he's a Boston Celtic. They've got Rob Williams. They've got Chris Dobbs Porzingis, two different ends of the spe- the spectrum of the center position, one, six, nine, the other seven, three, but they each bring something special to the table. They've still got, I call him Theo Alfonso because he's their their vet, you know, Al Horford out there, um, Uncle Al. And, and now they've still got Brogdon. They've still got Derek White. And of course, the dynamic wing duo of Tatum and Brown. How do these Boston Celtics stack up for you, Ant? I think this is a great trade for the Celtics, honestly. I think that uh, Marcus Smart was kind of overrated as a player for a little bit now. You know, we know the defense, but doesn't really offer too much in the offensive end, very inconsistent offensively, but they still get rid of him and they still have two very solid point guards in Derek White and Brogdon. So I think that you're not really feeling, you're going to definitely going to feel Mark Smart gone, but you're not feeling it as much when you have those two pieces still and you're not giving away Brogdon. Um, but you're getting Porzingis. You're getting, as you said, the only true stretch five in the NBA. Again, a great guy there. With Time Lord, Al Horford, we don't know how long he's going to stay consistent. He's going to stay decent. So you're getting someone who's been very underrated as a player, in my opinion, in Porzingis. I I think that ever since he left Dallas, he's been getting very little recognition for being a consistent threat on offense and defense. So I think that that's a very good move for the Celtics. And you're not really giving up a crazy amount. So honestly, I'm kind of scared for them next year. Yeah, I have to agree. I think it was a great trade uh, for Boston. And Porzingis, like you said, Anthony, had arguably maybe the best year of his career, obviously since coming from New York, but putting up 23 points a game, eight rebounds, three assists, like maybe one of the best years of his career. He played over 60 games. Like that's been a concern in the past. But I, if I'm a Celtic fan, I'm not really too worried about that because you're looking at – Porzingis, when he was in the Wizards these last couple of years and now on the Celtics, he's not going to be the first option, second option, or maybe even he's just going to be the third option. And when that is the case, it's less usage for him. It's less miles um, on those legs. It's less risk for injury. And it's something where if you can get 60 games, which is probably the new 82 in today's NBA, out of a Chris Stops, I love it. And I love the fit for the Celtics. It gives them an option uh, when Tatum and Brown can't get it going. You can dump it off to Chris Stops and he can make something work. Uh, and he's also, not only is he a stretch five, uh, a great shooting big uh, score, he's also one of the best rim presences. Absolutely. The- I don't know if I said that correctly, but. Yeah, you did. Presences, okay. protectors, any word that starts with a PR and has a vowel after, you name it, it works. There we go. Yeah, he is. I believe it was Ant who they said who is like the the best shot blocker you face. And I don't know if this is when Rudy Gobert was on his team. It was pretty funny. He was like, "Oh, Kristaps, easy." It was pretty funny considering they just traded for like KP's oh, long as heck, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Kristaps, he's a, he a lanky fella. 
Yeah, he brings a lot. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to extend him. But, I mean, for next year, this is kind of like that mold uh, where, you know, that team that is, is always on the cusp of winning a ring but not really good enough makes that one trade. The Raptors did it. The Bucks did it. Maybe this is that move for Boston. They've always had the picks, the assets. They've always been really close for it feels like years now. And now they get a guy in Kristaps who can – possibly do it i'm really excited for them and what they gave up in this trade yeah i think it's a good deal too i'll chime in now here um the celtics got better celtics got better and then they got two first round picks for making this deal that they can flip now with something else what all right. My first reaction when I saw that trade was, oh, my God, they actually did it. Porzingis is a Celtic. My second reaction was, how much better is Marcus Smart than Tyus Jones? That's a fair question. Is he two first round picks better? I don't think he's two first round picks better. Do you guys think he's two first round picks better? Definitely not. You guys don't think he's two first round picks better. So the value must be off the court. John Morant suspended. Need someone to step in as a number one option for those games. Don't have Dylan Brooks to throw up shots anymore. You want a veteran leader in the locker room. This feels like, and no one will talk about this because it's not a, a hot storyline or whatever, but this feels like the, the implied cost. This feels like it, it's connected to drafting John Moran at number two. That it eventually resulted in the need to make a move like this. And I think whenever you're in that territory, whenever you're justifying a trade to yourself because, oh, well, it'll make our other problems less bad, even if it creates eight new problems itself, you know, like I just think it's a rough sell. But Morant, Smart, Bain, Clark, Jackson Jr. at the five. Steven Adams as well off the bench. For my, for my defense, Steven Adams is. Yeah, we're, exactly. It's uh, not 2019. Sadly for the big fella from down under. But but listen, that death lineup of Clark and Jackson Jr. in the front court with the one, two, three of basically the, the three guards. I'm kind of intrigued to see it as someone that's low on Memphis. That actually does give them a dimension that I think they've been missing. Uh, they've been turning to the draft a lot recently for contributors, and, and I think that they've done so with a philosophy that's good for a rebuilding team trying to land players that will just stick. Uh, but if they're so good, then they need to be going win now, and they haven't been. And we're not sure they know how to develop wings. Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, even you want to look at Brandon Clark. What Can you guys name me something Brandon Clark has added to his game since he broke out? Sit like obviously from college to the NBA, he added stuff and he got more since he broke out and he was worth 16 million a year and all this stuff. What has he added to his game? Cause I watch Memphis injuries. I don't. Yeah. I was going to say like wear and tear, you know, like I don't a worse jump shot since when he got drafted, like he broke whatever trainer fixed, fixed his shot, created nine more problems with it. I just, it's weird over there right now, and I think Smart might actually come in and set a little bit of a tone. Um, but I also just think when you're in that territory, when you're justifying deals because, you know, whatever else, like maybe you made a mistake in the first place, or maybe it wasn't as much of a home run as you thought to land with to land Morant if he's causing so many other transactions and problems. Um, but, yeah, I, I name-dropped the NBA draft uh, talking about the Grizzlies. You guys down to to wrap this show up with a little segment on the NBA draft. Now, I wouldn't blame you guys if you didn't know who was picked every spot from one to 58, but I, I do think that you each have some, some favorite picks, some picks that you raised your eyebrows at. Let me get one of each from you guys. I'll go first, give you guys a second to think, but let me get a pick any round, either round that you liked and a pick that made you go, Oh, okay. So for me, I'm going to start out with the pick that I liked. I'm going to go with the weird one. I'll leave you guys the big names. Case and Wallace 
The Oklahoma City Thunder traded up for Kaysen Wallace from the University of Kentucky. I hate player comparisons for NBA draft prospects because I think they're unfair, but I actually believe in Kaysen so much. I'm going to give him this one. If you're looking around the NBA right now, it's star guards to pair with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Drew Holiday jumps off the page as such a spectacular fit basketball-wise. And that's who I see Kaysen Wallace as being in the future. A guard that isn't the lead ball don't stop point guard with the crossovers and hezzies and sham gods, but gets the job done as a floor general. Someone who's a dog at the point of attack, who denies off-ball movement. And I think that's perfect to have next to Shea Gilgis Alexander, especially you've got Jalen Williams. You can put him at the three and have a really terrifying one, two, three combo in your starting lineup, as well as probably the sixth man of the year and Josh Giddy at that point. So I would move Giddy to the bench and start Wallace long term. I'm that high on, on Wallace's future, especially over Giddy's. I love that pick for OKC, and I think it's right in line with their timeline. Yes, they're young, but they're also starting to get to a point where they want to win some games. Kaysen Wallace is a guard that does the little things. Those little things that guys like Josh Hart and Bruce Brown and Josh Akogi, you know, whoever it is across the NBA, they these guys get reputations for being winners. This is how it's guys like Kaysen, the work they put in. A pick that I raised my eyebrow at was Anthony Black to the Orlando Magic at number six. I didn't like that pick at all. Me personally, I had Black at 10 on my big board. When you're that high in the draft, four slots is a big deal. This is not the 27th team in the draft taking the prospect I had at 31. Six and 10 is a big difference. And I have Black in the same tier as Wallace, which is a tier below my top eight guys. If I were the Orlando Magic, I get going with Anthony Black. If you follow it up with drafting a guard like a Keontae George or a Jalen Hood Shafino or a Bryce Sensabaugh, even someone who can score the ball reliably. But the Fordham Rams played Arkansas this season and they let Anthony Black shoot seven three pointers. You know how many he made? One. This is a guy that can't shoot the rock. And so if his thing is being a genius IQ player, which he is, if his thing is being a good defender, which he is providing that off ball utility for Boncaro and Wagner, then you need someone who can shoot because we've seen defenses not respect Markel faults. We've seen defenses not respect Jalen sucks. And I think this is adding on top of that pile. This is another guard who does it all, but shoot. I think you had that in faults. Are you setting a replacement up for faults going forward? Maybe. Should you have aimed a little higher than faults? <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. It's it was a weird pick to me. Who, whichever you one of you wants to go next with your one and one, go ahead. I mean, I guess Anthony Fukulak can start this off. Um, <clears throat> I it's gonna sound really weird, but I always my kind of draft crush, I guess you could say, really. Mm-hmm not really talked about didn't even go in the first round i really liked gg jackson out mm. of or gregory jackson uh gg is fine go ahead jackson out of south carolina i you know i just really like uh his scoring pot- potential and i remember i was watching him i was talking to a grizzlies fan i was like that'd be really funny if he went to one of our teams and he ends up going to the grizzlies uh and that's a fit i like you know it's a guy who can really put the ball in the basket and is someone who is i believe the youngest player in the draft is like 18 and just turned 18. Like he's extremely young. Uh, he has the talent, it's about putting it together. And it's someone I really like for where they got him, at, I believe 45. Uh, and then a pick that definitely kind of maybe I raised my eyebrows to a little bit, like you said, was uh, Brandon Pod- Podzimiski. That's how, if you want yeah, to pronounce pod, it. Just go with Pods. Brandon Pods. Um, yeah. So that is okay. So it has nothing to do with the player because I actually like his shooting ability. I think he is a solid player, maybe not a 19. That seems a little high for me. It's AirPods. Also the, yeah. It's also the fit AirPods. That's a good one. If you could maybe dunk or jump, but I don't know if that's his game. Uh, it's the fit. He, he, he seems like maybe a clay replacement, but are they ready to move off clay? It's like, where does he really fit in with clay? Chris Paul now uh, Steph Curry, Moses Moody again, like is, are you, is he not playing that much at all? Like where, is he fitting into this roster? I, I, I do believe in his shooting ability. I think it's 42% at Santa Clara. Um, it's more of a long-term play, but it's just another weird pick, I guess, by Golden State. Uh, and they're making a lot of weird moves, I'm, re- I'm realizing recently. 
Um, it's someone I would have liked maybe in that mid twenties range, but 19 and to the Warriors felt like a little bit of a, I don't know, it jumped off the page to me for sure. I, I agree with you. I think pods is actually the Chris Paul replacement. I think they're going to play those two guys next to each other this season um, and have Paul bring up Podzemski as he's doing it. Intel from WCC coaches, I can tell you guys this, Pods' conference that he played in, is that he might just be too small to be an NBA defender. Such a small and wiry frame at just 6'4", 6'5". Might not look good for him long-term, but in a scheme like Golden State where he can execute everything to a T, I I do think it's a good fit. I just also think with where they were in the draft, Chris Murray was right there. You know, there were guys that are win now players. They still seem to be double dipping with this two timelines thing. It's like, you just got rid of Myers. I thought we were done with that. Yeah. And they're desperate for a big. So they, they trade for trace Jackson Davis, you know, like the end of the, the end of the draft for a first round pick from last year, Patrick Baldwin jr. Which also was a little surprising to me. I mean, yeah, I know move, move back 10 spots, you know, fantastic, you know, whatever. It's a salary move, but it's also you're trading a first round pick last year. Still has upside for a guy at the end of the draft. It's just they believed in him so much, except not when it costs two, three million dollars to believe in him. Oh no! Uh, Mike Um, Junior era is a little interesting start. Yeah, uh, Joe. Just to transition to Anthony here, Anthony. If you don't know about Gigi Jackson, the comp is Nick's Michael Beasley. So (laughs) bucket getter. Bucket getter. Beasley is one of the greatest players of all time. (laughs) Let's not lie to ourselves here. Mellow from the left. Listen, let's hear your picks, Ant. Yeah. So one thing that I really liked is uh, at 20, the Rockets, Cam Whitmore for Adenova. He's extremely explosive. I think that he's going to pair great with what they got going down already with Green and uh, Porter. I think that the Rockets were not that far away from them making it to the playoffs and scaring some people. But for my pick, I know we're running out of time here, but my pick that I wasn't crazy about, um, Troy Pistons at five, Ozzer Thompson. I wasn't crazy about him. I just think that at that, when you're the fifth pick, you need someone who can translate their skills with what you already have going on. Thompson's just not that great of a shooter. And to pair him with Cade Cunningham, Jane Ivey, who already aren't great shooters, I just don't see it uh, turning out well for them, especially in this day and age when you just need shooting, you need spacing in the NBA. It's just, if you're at number five, you need someone who could bring a new skill to you. And they just didn't do that with Thompson. Also, is someone really, really intriguing because of his athletic ability. Um, Andre Iguodala in Philly, maybe the comparison, you know, like that all-star kind of player if he's on his own team, but could be a championship kind of player if he's a number two or number three. I think because of his superb feel for the game and his passing ability, and I think he's a 90th percentile NBA athlete already, day one. So that's the kind of stuff that, you want to swing on in the lottery. I'll take the opposite view of, of you and say, yes, you want to fall back on shooting and very much to your credit. If you go back and track all the draft busts in the lottery in the last decade, something like 70% of them was basically just because they ended up never being a shooter. Um, even if they were good, they never returned that value. So I completely hear you. Osar has so many other tools and abilities that I do think he can fall back on those. And he's the better shooting twin out of him and Amen in the overtime elite playoffs. Osar's catch and shoot threes actually didn't go too poorly. They could park him in the corner and have Kate or Ivy feed him there if the play calls for it. Um, other than that, we talked about one trade with OKC moving up. The other, the Dallas Mavericks eating the Rashawn Holmes contract into a TPE that they created by dumping Davis Bertans, they would have taken Derek Lively at 10. I just trust me, but they didn't. They dumped the worst contract on their books by moving back to 12 and Lively was still there and they grabbed him. Now, do I think next year, someone like Donovan Klingon coming out of UConn is a better center prospect? Sure, but Mavericks need help now. And Lively has the offensive upside for later, but can help them right now. He's not a Golden State type of pick where there's nothing he can do right now. He can protect the rim, be a rim presence, Joe, right now. So basically, I like the pick for them. And then they got, I had three draft sleepers that I said should go in the first round. Jaime Jaquez Jr. went 18 to the Heat. Ben Shepard went 26 to the Pacers. 
Olivier Maxens Prosper, Omax Prosper, went 24 to the Mavericks. And boy, do I love that pick for them. He is a perfect replacement for Darian Finney-Smith, who they had to ship to Brooklyn uh, to acquire Kyrie Irving. They're going to, you know, they can return Kyrie, hopefully for them, and and then have Omax out there defending wings, have Kyrie and Luka creating offense, have Lively protecting the paint. I see the Mavericks being a better team next season than they were this year, and their draft night maneuvers are the reason why. That being said, we've got free agency coming up in about a week from today, a week and a day from today, eight days uh, is like that final day before free agency. So we'll see you then here on Pick and Pod so we can discuss it, keep you up to date, give you the hottest takes, or maybe not the hot. I feel like we're actually pretty well measured. Maybe that's a misnomer for the give you the lukewarmest takes <laughs> that are well-intended and reasonable like Aunt Joe and I did here today. And for the WFUV crew, we thank you for listening. This is a production of WFUV Sports. We'll see you next time on Pick and Pod.